How's it going, everybody? We're here with the 52nd episode of Fear Frequency. I cannot believe it's gone this far. For our new <laughs> listeners, it's a weekly horror podcast where George and I round up the best horror news on the internet and review a movie or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. And I'm George Fazard. And if you're a new listener, we would super appreciate it if you gave us a review on iTunes. We have almost 50 reviews now, which is crazy because I think less than a month ago we had like 19 so it feels pretty good to be this high, <laughs> but if you could go drop us a hard five-star review, that would be amazing. We recently had some people, you know, review bomb us, so we're trying to sub sub circumvent circumvent that by getting some quality five-star reviews from five-star listeners like you. You can always email us at uh, fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com with any kind of uh, questions or any concerns. Uh, we also do have a new review to read, so this one is from Actually It's Brad, who says, I found Fear Frequency through Jimmy Champagne's YouTube, and yes, that's his real name, I, and I couldn't be happier. Horrid podcasts are hard to get right, and Jimmy and George have done it right. They're smart, funny, and engaging. In a genre that's bogged down with a lot of gatekeepers and negativity, when it comes to reviews, I cannot recommend this podcast enough. If you're a fan of the genre, this podcast is a must to jump into. So thank you, Brad. Yeah, Brad, thanks a lot. That was really cool of you. Um... Yeah, I started pushing the podcast on my YouTube channel, and I think a lot of people actually did come over, which is pretty cool. They kind of like go hand in hand because I usually talk about the same stuff on the podcast and my channel, you right. know, like we're going <laughs> to do in a minute. So it's cool that there's that crossover there. Uh, the podcast is just a different place where I can talk about any horror movie, and I don't have to worry about what's going to do well and what isn't and you know, SEO and all that stuff. So thanks a lot. I really appreciate that awesome review. And I appreciate you coming over and listening. But Yeah, and also um, we do have a Discord channel. So if you want to jump oh, into yeah. that, uh, it's pretty active. We have quite a few people on there usually talking about horror movies. There's quite a few channels talking about spoilers, new movies coming out, TV shows, anything like that. So um, Yeah, we have almost 80 people in there now. So shout out to the Discord. Yeah, it's definitely really active. And um, we have some some cool discussion going on there usually so if you're interested in just kind of getting together with other horror fans that's a pretty good place to to chat yeah so the easiest way to find a link to the server is to go to our twitter which is at fear frequency yeah we were able to get our full name on twitter it's pretty cool and also you can head over to my youtube channel and in the description for all of my latest videos there's a link to the discord so it's very easy to get to it's an instant invite just make sure you read the rules when you join in uh we and make sure you mute the spoiler channel right away just right click it and mute <laughs> it because we've had people people like that channel so they talk in there all the time but this week we're coming at you live from berlin we have news about stranger things sabrina castlevania the witcher and in segment two we're reviewing suspiria 2018 but before we get into the news we have a huge halloween alert thanks to dr loomis calling in dude this is a big one yeah, um, <laughs> weeks after the movie's been out, we still got a ton of news rolling in, so we're lucky in that sense, I guess. Yeah, so I think it was after we recorded last week, or yeah, I think it was like the day after, or maybe it was the night of we recorded, NECA revealed an awesome Laurie Strode figure from the new Halloween, and it just, it made my whole night, dude, like, oh my god, it's so good. They only shared one picture from it. Uh, but it's her and her t-shirt and her jacket. She's got that stoic, pissed-off look on her face, and she's standing behind the NECA Ultimate Michael, which is awesome. It's so good. Yeah, it's cool to finally get an actual Laurie Strode action figure. It didn't seem like we'd, the day would ever come where we'd get something like that. Um, yeah. 
But it's cool. It's definitely, it looks like it's as high quality as the Michael Myers one, where the sculpt actually looks pretty great. The face looks a lot like Jamie Lee Curtis, so um, I'll probably be picking this up with the Michael Myers figure when that drops. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of have to get both. Yeah, they're they're a package deal at this point, basically. (laughs) Yeah, and the Michael comes with two masked heads. It comes with the police officer's head that's carved into a jack-o'-lantern. It comes with multiple hands, multiple weapons, and the pumpkin with the heart eyes. So that is a pretty big package. They haven't announced what exactly comes with the Lori one yet, but Randy from NECA said that he'll announce that soon today. Shout out to that guy. He does like awesome Q&As almost daily where he just rapid fire answers any question that comes into them. And I respect that he says no to people. Like if someone asked... Uh, asked if they were going to do new Scream figures. And he was like, already did a bunch of Ghostface. That's the only one we could do. We have no plans to license any other figures. It's just like, to the point, he answers everyone's questions, even if he says no. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's definitely really cool. Um, He seems like a pretty down-to-earth guy. And their figures are actually really, really high quality for their pretty relatively low price points. So they're definitely a real sweet spot in the, the toy community. Yeah, so this next story we have in the Halloween alert is kind of weird. So Trick or Treat Studios, they did that first initial pre-order round for the mask that you could get the new Halloween mask by Halloween. Then they did a second round that also sold out where those are expected to ship in January. But they opened up this third round, which is $10 more, and it's the same mask, but it this is a minor spoiler, so if you haven't seen Halloween yet, skip ahead like 15 seconds. This one has a gash in the right cheek from where Karen shoots Michael with the 22, uh, and it's a little bit bloody. But that's the only difference, and it costs $10 more. So you can pre-order that now, and it says to expect it in January of 2019. Um, I, I don't really like the way it looks, to be totally honest. Yeah, the shots they released of it look weird they almost look photoshopped like they're not the real mask i don't know if you feel the same way yeah no dude i thought they were renders like (laughs) don't they look like renders yeah the the pictures they released of it don't look like the mask it looks like they literally touched up a picture of the mask that they released the normal one yeah exactly like the Um, gash looks a little too clean it's but weird. I don't know if it's because it's a PNG or something, but it really, you're right. It really does look like they just edited a photo of the masks they already made. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I'm not loving how this one looks. I think a lot of people, if you're going to get the Michael Myers mask, it's because you want either the look, you know, the iconic look of the original one or whatever right. your favorite movie is. Or in this case, you know, you want the one that looks like what all what is on the poster for the reboot. You want it to look like what the basic Michael Myers mask is. So I don't know the fact that this is even more expensive and it's kind of niche because it's part of the one of the later acts of the movie and is kind of a more specialized scene of the movie. Yeah, the last scene is (laughs) it's a more specialized version of the mask. I think that's. Why would they dedicate resources to making this instead of making more masks? It's really annoying that... So you had to pre-order this, and I I didn't want to pre-order it for them because all I hear about are how bad they are at shipping things on time. So I heard that you could get it at Party City, right? Well, you never could. I tried looking constantly. Like, every day I would check Party City's website because they tell you what they have in stock on the site. It was never in stock at Party City. And then it mysteriously jumped to 100 bucks from 60 but it still never went in, in stock. And if you go on Amazon or eBay and try and buy a resell, reseller one... 
they are just not they're not worth it because they're no. $250. The re- yeah, the resale price on these is insane right now. I don't know if that's yeah. going to die down in a little bit after the hype for the movie dies off a little bit. And I um, think it's cool that they made the one for the movie. I think that's awesome. Or someone who works at Trick or Treat Studios did. I did that interview with them at um, Midsummer Scream, and they were nice enough. It's just it's a little... It's just frustrating that they de- allocated all of these masks to be cut for this bloody variant that no one was asking for and people still can't get the regular one. It's like, I don't, it feels like uh, the NES classic and the Super Nintendo classic where it's forced scarcity. I don't, I'm not accusing them of that obviously because they're a smaller company and I'm sure it just has to do with like, they may have oversold pre-orders or something like that, but that's right, just what Right, didn't expect it, that level of demand that was coming in for the masks or something. Yeah, and it sucks because it's basically like saying, no, we don't want to make money. Because I know they would have sold way more of those masks if they made more of those masks. Even though they are smaller and it doesn't look like they were actually from the same mold from the one from the movie, like, was initially reported. But I don't know, man. It's just frustrating because you can you can pay a little bit more and get a really good altered version of the original Halloween mask from a couple different places. I know a friend of the show, Luke Jaggers, he loves posting different mask sites in our Discord. And I've seen quite a few that look better than the Tots one, which, to be fair, those are like made to look like the one from the movie. And the Tots one is a mass market reproduction of the one from the movie. But... Right, they're not like artist-altered ones that are being posted, which obviously have a little bit more attention to detail, a little more uh, care put into them because they're handmade as opposed to being mass-produced. Right, and I've waited this long for the regular mask, so it just it's it's weird that you're getting a kind of fucked up mask for ten dollars more. It just that doesn't seem right, and it's like I've waited this long, so I'm just gonna wait until I can just go out and buy a mask. (laughs) <laughs> at the store right I mean, I'll, wait till, I'll wait till next halloween i don't care when am yeah, i gonna wear it yeah and it's not like they said that their supplies are limited in any way right. to the original so it f- seems like once they get supplies they'll just continue to produce the normal version but right now they're obviously sold out because it's well i guess now october is over but it's right in the middle of the halloween season so obviously people were super hyped about it when buying them but um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't pay the extra 10 bucks for this variant of it. I would just wait for the normal one or get one of the uh, altered ones from someone on Etsy or something. Yeah, um, so if you want to see like where you can get these altered ones, though, go in our Discord or tweet at Luke Jaggers. He's like the source for this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's, He's definitely really the, the resident that. expert, the, the one that I would go to first if I wanted an altered uh, Michael Myers mask. Right, and so next up on here is something that's actually really cool. Uh, A bunch of Eagle Eye fans were able to find the release date for the Blu-ray. Best Buy posted a Steelbook 4K version of the Halloween Blu-ray for the new movie. It has the SDCC poster on the front with that scratchy Halloween logo, and on the back it has the jack-o'-lantern that was in the trailer from the lawn where Dave blows up the jack-o'-lantern with the firecracker, and the inside has a big stretched-out shot of Lori pointing her gun up at Michael in the mirror. There's nothing like on the page about special features or um, you know deleted scenes, but it's I think it's on sale already for 26 bucks or something like that. Um, I immediately pre-ordered it. Just <laughs> and it comes out on January 15th. Yeah, um, that's fairly soon, which is good because we just have to wait a couple months to get it on Blu-ray, which I will definitely be buying it on Blu-ray uh, as soon as it comes yeah. out. Um, but 
I, I'm not in love with the SDCC poster. I don't think that's the best cover. I think that the back is cool. I like the, the jack-o'-lantern on it. Um, but I'd prefer one of the DVDs to just have, like, the that main poster of Michael with the messed up eye that just says Halloween in the orange text at the bottom. I think that would probably be a better choice for the... Box I art. think for the real box art, that's what they will go with. I think that's this is just because it's a steel book, but I completely agree. I don't love that poster, to be totally honest. I think it's okay. <laughs> like, like I obviously n- nothing against the artist who commissioned it. I think it is a cool look, and I think it obviously took a lot of time to make. But I just don't think that that's it, yeah. The it's best. just not the art style that I like. Yeah, it's not the best interpretation of it, and I would just kind of prefer to have it look more clean and uh, I guess like high have like a higher level production put into it like the, the right, mass right. poster that was obviously mass produced and had a, a million people looking at it before it went out uh, i just prefer something that was a little more polished yeah I guess. it just feels like reused art to me like you couldn't just design some art for the blu-ray it just, yeah that's it's weird, weird too because you think that they would have someone on <laughs> staff that could make something fresh for the steel book that would i be have a like, wallpaper on my phone i think i've showed it to you i wish i i wish i could remember who made it but it's like a picture of Michael, uh, his mask. But it's all—it's made out of the credits for the movie. I, I know yeah. I've showed this to you yeah, before. Yeah, I've seen that. Where it yeah, says yeah. like Halloween, and I think that like would make such a cool art for a Blu-ray in comparison to this, which is just like a poster. Like this, the other thing, Blumhouse retweeted it for a Fan Art Friday thing. So if you want to go find it, you can. Um, it's so good. I would have liked that better. Or even what you said. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think there's better fan art than the SDCC poster. Um, and if they were going to go with fan art for the Steelbook cover, I think that there's uh, better better options than that. But that's right. just and me. As far, um, it, as far as special features go and deleted scenes, I'd love to see some stuff from that third act that was changed so much. But because people bitched and moaned so much when they... When that one bad review came out of the test screening and they had to reshoot it, I feel like that's such a sore spot at this point for both Universal and Blumhouse and Miramax and everyone else who's attached to this movie that we'll never get to see that that yeah. changed ending or anything. Yeah, it would have been cool to see what the, the third act was without the reshoots. Maybe see some of those slightly altered scenes. I'd like to hear um, the commentary track on this. I think it'd be really interesting to see... Um, the perspective of David Gordon Green and um, yeah, I want to see that. Danny I McBride. want one from him and Danny McBride. Yeah. Also, maybe throw in they might have like something from Carpenter to add to it, or Jamie Lee Curtis. I, I think they're probably going to have a pretty star-studded special features package to add to this. Um, yeah. With all the fanfare that's come out with this remake, so I'd really. I, hope I mean, even the the amount I'd give of like, up everyone and except stuff. David Gordon Green and Danny yeah. McBride. Like Jamie Lee Curtis said the same stuff over and over and over in every interview i don't like i feel like we've heard all she's gonna say about this movie but we haven't heard that much from david gordon green or danny mcbride truthfully but that'd be cool yeah it'd be cool to get into the minds of them for every scene as it goes through a little more in depth i think that'd be a definitely cool commentary to listen to yeah, I'm still waiting for confirmation on one very special feature for the Blu-ray. So I'm not going to say anything, but you guys <laughs> should stay tuned for that. I know about one of them that might be on there, and it's pretty fucking cool. Um, <laughs> so next up on here, we have this behind-the-scenes shot that a Reddit user just posted. I think his 
name was history 777 he just posted it on reddit and it's a high res just it looks like an iphone photo of james jude courtney standing in the smith's grove hospital gown with the eye application for the original movie and it's cool because we we see michael's head and the side of his face a lot in the actual movie but we never got this full-on look at the dead eye and i think it's really cool that they went this far with the dead eye considering you never really see it that much the mask covers so much of it you know <laughs> yeah the prosthetic is definitely like six inches in every direction around the eye the makeup is done when really you only see maybe half an inch to an inch at the most around it so they definitely put the time into making sure that whatever angle was going to catch through that mask was going to look old and decrepit and kind of messed up so i do appreciate that level of detail um and i guess this is like the closest thing we're ever going to see to a canon michael without his mask on from this movie so that's kind of cool i guess yeah i like it I don't know, it's just nice to see this behind-the-scenes stuff that really wasn't... Like, Blumhouse was really good about not letting everything leak. Uh, curiously, that one guy who leaked everything and had that website, D-U-H-D, remember? We talked right. about him a couple yeah. times. Uh, Nick Bond, I think, was his name. He deleted his own Twitter and his website and his website's Twitter. So I feel like someone cease and desisted his ass finally. But he was the one sharing every leak. Uh and yeah he definitely had some kind of source on the set or something because he was getting a lot of photos before anybody had any anything like that and didn't credit any source so i feel like he had someone (laughs) he knew somebody that was part of the production or was on the set or something yep yep so he got lucky but he shared some stuff but nothing as high quality as this so it's cool to see some real legitimate behind the scenes stuff and again it gets james jude courtney back into the news where i feel like he got a little bit snubbed on this movie in terms of getting credit for playing michael because he did an incredible job uh he played the majority of the character in this movie whereas in the original halloween everyone says it's in a castle but it's actually like five people yeah, it's really cool that we're actually getting official behind-the-scenes stuff now kind of leaking out. Well, I don't even know if this is official, but it looks official. This just showed up on Reddit. But it's nice to see James Jude Courtney getting some news stories drummed up about him, you know. Because I feel like even though Nick Castle was given credit for the original shape in this movie, I feel like James Jude Courtney deserves just as much, if not more, credit for playing him in 99% of the movie. He's not yeah, really it, getting a whole lot of credit. He for sure got shafted on the press junket because it seemed like every article you saw about Michael Myers was that oh, Nick Castle's reprising the role, Nick Castle's coming back, Nick Castle's going to be Michael again. But really, he was only in it for, I think, it came out he was in, like, one establishing shot or something, uh-huh. and the rest of it was James Jude Courtney. So I feel like he deserves a little bit a little bit of a boost and people to kind of spread him around a bit more because he did the majority of it, but Nick Castle seems to have gotten all the credit. And he did a great job. He did so good. And not, not to, like, discredit Nick Castle or anything. No, Nick, I mean... Nick Castle's such a nice guy. I met him for two seconds at the John Carpenter concert on Halloween. He was, like, right next to me with John Carpenter's wife. And I was like, <laughs> huh. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, what up? And then, you know, John Carpenter was like, hey, my friend Nick Castle is here. He plays Michael Myers in the new movie and, like, shine the lights on him and everything. So that was cool. Uh, but... It's just, I wish James Jude Courtney got more credit, but I will say my friend Riley over at Slash and Cast put up like a 20, 25 minute interview with James Jude Courtney on Halloween. And it's super interesting. So if you want to hear a really good interview with the new Michael Myers, uh, go check that out for sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. 
Um, but yeah, I guess we can talk about now. What do we do on Halloween, right? Like we didn't talk about that because we recorded on Monday. So I kind of already just talked about it, but I went to the John Carpenter concert. He played the same songs largely that he played last year. So that was, I don't want to say disappointing, but I was hoping he'd play more new songs from the new movie, but he just basically added in the Shape Hunts Allison. Which is the best track off the new, yeah, uh, the original soundtrack for the new movie, but. Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, it was a great show. He just like looks like such a nice guy. I didn't do the meet and greet this time. We did. We were up in the VIP section, and I walked walked up to the bar. I was just sitting there on my phone, and then I heard this voice, and I was like, "Is that Ryan Turek?" And I turn around, he's like right there. I'm like, "Hey, fiftieth time I've seen you. I promise I'm not stalking you." Like, because I I I encounter that guy everywhere just because I guess like you know he works at Blumhouse. Run the same circles, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he's really nice, and I got to see I, I shook Nick Castle's hand and said waved at john carpenter's wife i was like hey that's uh sandy carpenter so that's pretty <laughs> cool we were up in a great spot it was a great concert and remember i was super salty i couldn't get that uh target practice poster with right. the vinyl yeah they had a full-size poster of it with more it said it says like john carpenter live hollywood or hollywood palladium halloween night 2018 it's a gold lith- lithograph so it's like holographic and it has all of the different symbols from his movies that were featured in the music. So I'm glad I missed out on that original one because I was I was like all in on this one and right. it's signed. Right, and I get one that's a little bit more specialized, a little more unique. Yeah, and there's an Annabelle Creation poster on my wall that is taking up just a little too much space, <laughs> so it's definitely coming down for this one. <laughs> so that's what I did on Halloween. What did you do? Mine was a, a bit less exciting. I... Uh... I went over my front front of the show, Tim's house, who's been on a, a few episodes, and uh, we passed out some candy, and I dressed up like Magnum P.I. and uh, and just kind of hung out there and had some beers and passed out some beers to the parents and stuff, but it, it, it was a, a pretty chill night. Yeah, your Magnum P.I. costume was perfect. Was like <laughs> spot on. Yeah, I, d- I shaved it down to the mustache and everything, so now I'm back to being uh, not bearded, but... Cool. <laughs> so, sounds like we both had some good Halloweens. I went home and I watched... Um, I watched a bunch of movies, actually. The concert didn't run too late, probably because John Carpenter is old. Right. He wants to go to bed. <laughs> it started at, like, 8. I think we were <laughs> home by, like, 10, and we went to in and out on the way home. So, <laughs> at 10, I started watching some movies and played some games. I revisited The House's October Built 2 after watching Good Bad Flick's video on it, and I still don't like that movie. But I guess I could see where people do. You could kind of at least see a little bit more where they're coming from on certain aspects or... Yeah. What they were trying for a little bit better. Yeah, I yeah. guess. <laughs> I, I only watched um, the original Halloween in 4K, but... That 4K Blu-ray is fantastic. Yeah, it is amazing, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I use that for my One Good Scare video, and I hit 10,000 subscribers before my goal of the end of the year. Uh, that video really pushed me over, so that was cool. And then um, I streamed last year with Riley from Slash and Cast over the weekend, and we were... He challenged me in drinking, and I was drinking <laughs> beers, so I wasn't getting that drunk, uh-huh. but he was drinking, like, vodka, and I didn't <laughs> realize this. There was that disparity, so we were drinking about the same amount, but it was but different. Was quite a bit, <laughs> probably 10 times more alcohol per volume. Yeah, so he just started screaming at his viewers to subscribe to me, and that pushed me over the edge, so well, thanks, Riley. <laughs> yeah, that was really nice of him. Yeah, complain about that. That game is cool, by the way. Everyone should you know keep their eye on that but 
now we can get into the segment one news. We have a lot today from Netflix. So the first one here, I think is just funny. They say Tannic Temple is super salty and they're suing Netflix over Sabrina. And uh, it's because there's imagery from the satanic temple namely a big statue in the show and people are like well what do you want and they're like we want them to fucking take it out of the show and uh there's a guy whose last name is greaves which i can't be fucked to look up and he said yes we are taking legal action regarding the chilling adventures of sabrina appropriating our copyrighted monument design to promote their asinine satanic panic (laughs) fiction I'm amazed that anybody is confused as to why we would seek legal remedy over Sabrina using our monument. Would they be as understanding of a fictional show that used real mosque as the HQ of a terrorist cell? A fictional blood label, libel, tale, implicating real world Jews? I want them to take it out. It looks like a CGI facsimile to begin with. I don't know how much work that takes, but I simply refuse to have our monument used in this way in perpetuity. I don't want our monument to be associated with this. It's like, it's like, what the really fuck? very upset. <laughs> that was all least. on Twitter. I think um, all of that. So this is sort of weird. I, I'm a bit of, of two minds on this issue because, uh, on one hand, I understand why if you as a movement have a symbol that's copyrighted and associated with, you know, like in this situation, uh, I guess, religious organization, um, you wouldn't want someone to use that and kind of associate whatever they're trying to push with your movement. And I get why you'd want it to not be associated with it and want it to be taken out. Right. I kind of get it. But, like, but I think who that cares? The, That's how I feel. I think that the imagery in it is not something that is inherently owned by the satanic movement. I think it's right. stuff that's in like biblical text that could be anything like yeah it may bear a striking resemblance to the satanic copyrighted imagery but they could just say well yeah that's baphomet and like that's our interpretation of baphomet which is in the bible right. and it's in and these crosses old... show up in everything right i and mean like, it's... they didn't, they don't get mad about the conjuring too do like using upside down crosses right like <laughs> i don't like, know i feel like the imagery that they're using is basically just old satanic like monsters from the Bible, not necessarily trying to draw similarities between what they're saying and the satanic, you know, movement. Yeah. I think they're just trying to have that kind of imagery of, because <laughs> she's interfacing directly with Satan. I don't know if you watched any of the show or read the comics yet, but that's like that's what's fucking happening. She has to sign a book that aligns her with Satan. Right. So obviously, you would have, you know, different guardians of of Satan and other imagery like that present in the show, because how could you yeah. not? At least they went through the effort to get it right. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Right. I mean, they could have completely half-assed it and used like a really bad goat head or something that looked like shit. And then <laughs> just kind of ruined yeah. the entire, the entire thing. But at least they did the research, made things that looked kind of creepy and were in place and made sense with the lore that they're trying to build on the show. I, I think at the end of the day, it sh- should be imagery that's fair use because it's yeah interpretations ways it's interpretations of things that are in literature that the satanic temple doesn't own yeah they may have like chosen one of the satan's like minions or baphomet or whatever as their symbol but i don't think that they own every interpretation of baphomet ever in any media because of it no i do (laughs) you own own all of it (laughs) yeah 
So I don't know. I don't think really have much to add to this. I just thought it was funny how pissed off this guy got. It's a weird story, and it is, it is kind of funny how how angry he is and how he thinks that Netflix is gonna him. is going to go back in and edit the season to take out scenes with. Any do you think imagery. they'll do it? Hell no. I don't think there's yeah, any chance in hell either. they're going to do that. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. Uh, so next up on here, November sixth is now known as Stranger Things Day. Says Netflix. Um, okay that's tomorrow right (laughs) yeah um today technically i guess if you're listening to this yeah so we don't know what it is but they're they're opening up the ride at halloween horror nights so you can walk in it during the day and like see what they did that's kind of cool because the ride is sweet or this the haunted house i don't know it it just seems weird that this show gets a national day it just i don't know just i don't like I don't like modern television marketing. <laughs> I just don't like it. I'm sorry. It's just like, stop. Just make a good show. <laughs> it it just seems weird that they're... Because it, it, it doesn't feel like it'd be coming from Netflix that they'd be pushing to have a day in the honor of one of their shows. So just, just finish this... the show and get season three out. Like that's all anyone really wants. Right? No one, no, like, one, no one cares, cares about a day that's a Stranger Things day or not. Like we just want to watch the show. And if there's anything coming out like this attraction, like why don't you just advertise that? Like why do you have to? You know, try it's to gonna, make it all it's going to be is a new line of clothes from Target and a Funko Pop. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not like there's a bunch of high quality merchandise. It's a bunch of cheap stuff, and we're really just waiting to have the show be produced. So it's like this stuff is just weird. It, I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah. I never thought anything could sour me on this show, but that really did. So we'll find out what it is tomorrow. Hopefully it's a trailer, but they're they're filming the show right now, so I don't think it'll be a trailer since nah, it definitely seems it. too early for that. We just have that one teaser of the mall, and I don't think they've probably filmed it. My claim any... to fame. I accurately guessed that it would be inspired <laughs> by the stuff. Yeah. That movie's so cool. I don't think they're going to do uh, shoot any more promo since then, so I feel like it's going to be some weird promotional thing for merchandise or something yeah so but in positive netflix news which really surprised me castlevania got renewed for season three which is awesome because i just finished season two over the weekend how the fuck have you watched it i've started it i haven't finished it It makes you feel bad for dracula it's like all (laughs) like political stuff with dracula and his vampires inside the castle there's this subplot where um alucard the spell lady and trevor belmont are like going back to the old belmont estate which was burned to the ground to find the old tomes and uh they introduced Basically, a cool weapon to find from the weapons game strong enough to clear the world of any vampires or kill dracula with yeah uh there's a really cool image of trevor holding a whip like one of the game covers which i really liked um but it's getting a 10-episode third season. So every season's going to get a couple more episodes. Because season one was four episodes, season two is eight, and now season three is going to be ten. Uh, Warren Ellis is still coming back to write, which is awesome. He's the writer of Dead Space. And it's the way this the third season's set up, we're, it's, it's going to finally you know lead into um, Trevor, Spellwoman, and Alucard going up against Dracula, which is cool. And so I think that might make it Rondo, it might be like a Rondo of Blood thing, because the first season I think was Castlevania 3, the second season, I don't know, it's like, I want them to move, they're going to move into Symphony of the Night, they said, so that's what I really want, because that's, 
that like all and, Alucard show. Yeah, that and Order of Ecclesia are my favorite Castlevania games. But Order of Ecclesia is like never going to happen because it's just different. It's the last DS Castlevania. Um, but I don't know. I just think it's cool. I, I didn't think this would get renewed since Netflix sent it out to die on the same day as Sabrina. Um, but hey, it must have, people must have turned out for it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really seen anybody talk about it until you were really pushing me to watch it. Not that I wasn't going to watch it anyway, but uh, I like I literally had seen no fanfare for it on Twitter or any social media yeah, of anybody pushing it. So um, I, I have watched a couple episodes. And I do think it is good. It's like so far on par with the first season, which I thought was great. So really cool uh, action fight scenes. There's a lot yeah. of talking in this season. Which well, the, like I think... you said, there's a lot of the political aspect of Dracula. Yeah, I like it. It's a good getting... story. Yeah, I mean, it's actually a very well-written story with a lot of interesting characters. They have um, Dracula's two generals are these humans that have kind of deep, interesting backstories about yeah, I love them. how they dislike humanity as a whole. And so they team up with the underworld to help rid it, rid the world of humans, which is kind of an interesting twist and makes them cool and deep characters. So there's a lot of cool characters, good writing, um... I think the animation style is top notch. Uh, the action scenes look amazing. So um, there's I'm... a lot of cool shots of the whole problem in this season is that Dracula can just teleport Castlevania, which is his castle anywhere he wants. So the goal for Trevor and Alucard and Spellwoman, I'm, I'll never remember her name. <laughs> um, they're trying to predict where the castle is going to show up next so they can get inside and face Dracula. So that's part of the season. The other part is that there's an usurper in Dracula's in Castlevania, and but Dracula is too depressed over the death of his wife to really see it coming or even care to do anything about it, and everyone's kind of losing faith in him. It's really cool. It's a really deep, um, well-written show that I think everyone should check out. Yeah, I'm because it's like big... the combined three movies total time. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the second season so far, so I'd recommend anybody check it out. And it seems yeah. like enough people did to uh, have it greenlit for a season three. So that's good. Yeah. So next up, New Line shared the poster for It Chapter 2. And I think it's the worst poster ever made. It's literally just a black poster with It and Chapter 2 on it. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially they took the poster so for the first part one and they wrote part two on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Our friends that we watched a movie put on their instagram they just used the instagram thing to make it say shitty poster chapter <laughs> two and it was so funny i was crying it's like whatever dude the hype up for the site the the second chapter is so low i think i don't know i think that it's definitely gonna be way lower numbers than part one i think i i think for like two reasons basically one that in the 90s miniseries which everybody you know, a lot of people have pretty fond memories of and like, I think they showed up for this because it was, you know, they think it's a cool to check out what the remake is of the childhood thing that they loved that they used to watch. Yeah. So obviously that, that gave it like a big, big boost. That was like, it was the Star Wars Force Awakening of the It cinematic universe. Right. And um, Tommy Lee Wallace made the 90s It. He also directed Halloween 3 and he was supposed to direct Halloween 2, but he said no. Fun fact. <laughs> He's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Um, but I think another, one reason that this is not going to do as well is that in the 90s miniseries, 
part one is the part that's decent and part two is terrible. And so I think people who are familiar with the source material wanted to just see the part with the kids and they don't care to come back and see the part with the adults because it sucks so bad the first time they did it. And that's yeah. kind of where the book gets super muddy and really weird. So um, I don't know. I feel like this hasn't really gotten a ton of fanfare. I haven't seen a lot of people talk about it. This poster isn't great. Um, it could have just ended with the first movie and I would have been like, cool. <laughs> like, I mean, the I, first it, movie ends fine. Yeah. I mean, it is half of a story. It's not quite the entire thing. Right. Because Pennywise is not really dead he's just kind of put back to sleep um i don't know it I, like i'm i'm definitely gonna see this part two without any question right but, right 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 totally i think um, it'll do well i just don't i think new line is expecting this to be like i think the re they're trying to flex with this poster be like look we're it's like it we don't even need to show you it because you're already so excited and it's like you are gravely overestimating the hype for your movie i think like yeah i don't think this is gonna do anywhere near the numbers that the part one did i think it was gonna be a way softer open for sure okay but now we have some really exciting news about a nightmare on elm street and heather langenkamp uh she did an interview and she said i'm sitting here like any other scream queen in hollywood hoping they revive their franchise i'm not alone i know lots of other horror heroines who have this little bit of spring in their step thinking about the chance of perhaps being in new versions of movies that they help make famous as young people so obviously she's like Riding off the heels of Halloween with that, right. where She's Jamie like, Lee Curtis Stroh came got back. her big comeback movie, and I want mine. Yeah, and I mean, why not? Yeah, the problem we've talked about this before. The problem is Robert England. It's not her. Like Robert England doesn't have it in him. But if she wants to come back, like more power to her. No, and I, I and I think Robert England probably has one more movie in him. I don't think he can do a whole franchise. I think he can come back for one more, but he's going to be an old beat up. Freddy. So, they need to do something where they transition him to a younger character. We've said this multiple times. But, if you're going to bring back Heather Langenkamp, I think that it needs to be a final confrontation. It needs to be the final fight between her and Freddy. If you're going to bring yeah. back... You basically seem to do what they did with the Halloween 2018, where you bring back this beloved character. I mean, in the case of Freddy, you don't really have to ignore all the sequels, but... You have to ignore Dream Warriors. Forward. You, you need to ignore Dream Warriors. You Everything need to ignore after that. possibly New Nightmare. Well, no, because that's not Freddy. That's just like that's not even that's not Freddy. That's like a that's it's like a monster that was brought to life by Heather Langenkamp's fear of Freddy. That's why he never talks in it. <laughs> so I feel like you can just ignore that and like let it lie. Right. I mean, there's definitely... You have to play around with the lore a little bit. I'm not sure if you should do as much as retconning it from the first movie on. I, I mean, you could, but I don't know if you really have to. Um, but I think she should totally get, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 2020 with Heather Lane Camp and Robert England coming back for one last one. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, it'd be really cool. I, I mean, I, obviously, we want the franchise to continue after that. They'd really have to work hard to pass the torch or something on from Freddy Robert England version to someone else. Right, and, and that's what we've been saying every time we talk yeah. about this, is basically that's the issue, is getting a new Freddy that doesn't suck. Because I don't think we've ever had a problem with Freddy coming back. It's the one that just doesn't really... The one that is like, how do you do this right? But 
Friday the 13th, I just, I just, I don't know how you bring that back effectively. Like, I feel like 2009 is as close as you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, that was like a pretty faithful retelling of the Jason lore where it kind of brings it, it speeds through all the origin because that doesn't matter. And then it just has him murdering teenagers. It felt very corporate, though. I will say that. Like, it felt like they did, they collected data on the Friday the 13th franchise and they were like what do we put in this to make fans happy you know it felt very well calculated it, like I, that it wasn't it was a Michael Bay picture right 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 it felt like that right and then that's kind of I think it might need to be stripped down a little bit maybe cut the budget back and give it to somebody who is more chomping at the bit to do a good story as opposed to somebody who's just a multi-million dollar director that makes a bunch of super huge action movies i think it might need to be a little more scaled back um to get something special um and this might even need the same treatment with nightmare on elm street but it's definitely this is the hardest franchise to bring back because you need a suitable freddy replacement yeah i completely agree um i don't know i think it'd be cool she's ready to do it which makes me really excited yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought I think Heather Langkamp's a great actress. I think she is excellent in uh, the first one, three, New Nightmare. I think she's, you know, one of the hearts of this franchise, and I'd love to see her come back for a new one. Yeah, me too. Um, I think they're just basically saying, "Hey, New Line, we're still here. <laughs> like, we'll make." And a movie. I think they would. I think they would make huge money off of it. I think it would be a huge box office hit if you brought back Heather Lane Camp and Robert England for one more. Yeah, I agree. Especially so, after how well the new Halloween did, I think that being like the biggest release, the biggest box office smash in the franchise's history, is kind of a signal to other studios that hey if you have these big horror franchises that are kind of been sitting on a shelf for a while now might be the time to bring them back i just would hope that it doesn't turn out like i hope they all learn their lesson with the last round of this happening because i guess rob zombies movies were received okay and friday the 13th was received okay like friday the 13th made a lot of money it wasn't a flop by any means but a nightmare on elm street was the black sheep of that group because even the texas chainsaw remake you know people liked when it came out and it made it made its money back uh, but and I even Nightmare think the re- that movie. remake's decent. Like, I don't think it's. Oh yeah, I don't hate that one at all. At all. Just, that one just felt like it felt it felt like they were trying to remake the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and whenever it came out, you know, like it right. just was very safe. Yeah. But and it was gorier. But our Nightmare on Elm Street was the only one that really they just dropped the ball hard on and fucked it up real bad. So I feel like that's the one I really want to come back now and really just show everyone how awesome that franchise can be truly because it just there are so many movies in that franchise and they they vary so heavily in quality i feel like they could really just you know write the put that that tr- that train back on the track bring back robert england bring back heather langenkamp give them both their proper send off and move on from there like start over from there with something else because i know people are upset because they're like let's like when the slashers come back it overpowers everything else and it's like yeah that's true but these are the thing like freddie jason leatherface michael myers that's what keeps horror relevant to a lot of people i mean they're you know? they're icons of the genre for a reason i mean right. yeah a lot of the sequels of them are subpar and not great movies or anything but they are iconic i mean they're huge staples of the genre and i think to ignore that to say 
yeah, no, but these newer, kind of more compact individual stories are better. I don't think it's really fair to say one's better than the other, one's more valued than the other. I think if there's an opportunity to incite interest in the genre and bring back these huge franchises, I don't see why studios that have those properties wouldn't do that. Yeah. You know what's coming. I just hope they do it right. Yeah, the, that's the, the big nun thing. shook me. It <laughs> shook me bad. It's like I thought they knew what they were doing. Thought they learned from their mistakes on Annabelle, and it was just like it went back to repeating the same problem. Well, I think that also might have been that the writer was—he's being stretched a bit thin. He's doing like thirteen movies right now, so yeah. Well, I, I can kind of forgive him, but they definitely did put out a sub sub quality product with the nun. That just really burned me because it should have been way better. Like, yeah, for sure. Annabelle. Annabelle, everyone was saying, what are they going to do? The nun, everyone was saying, this is going to be fucking awesome. You know? Yeah. That's why it really just didn't feel right. But whatever. They they could get it right if they just get the right people on it. Um, Next up on here, one more really cool thing in the movie department. So Dinners of Death is the first Joe Bob special we're getting this year. We're also getting a Christmas one and then an original series in 2019. But they shared the teaser for Dinners of Death today. It's happening on, as he calls it, Black Thursday. So Thanksgiving. And he teases that he'll be playing um, his favorite movie ever, which I'm assuming is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because that is on Shudder already. So it'll be great to get his commentary over that. I'm really excited for this. I mean, plus that also fits with the theme of Thanksgiving with uh, the cannibal family eating people. I think that that's, uh, it fits with the diner, you know, the like Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be definitely cool to see some of that. Dude, I'm not sure if they have the other TCMs on there. I don't know if they have two, which is <laughs> sure is something. <laughs> um, two is crazy. I don't mind two. It's just so different. And Toby Hooper directed it, which is hilarious. I don't just, hate two. So I just different. think that it's a very strange movie. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. Chop Top's cool, though. Ch- Chop Top's definitely a very memorable character. I don't know if he's a great character. Like I, think he's I like pretty, him. Pretty, like he's interesting for sure and he definitely steals every scene that he's in yeah i james from cinemassacre said like he he thinks toby Hooper knew he could never follow up that movie so he just went batshit with it and made <laughs> two it was like all right i'm done you know like and i think that's exactly what happened but that well, movie is long I, I heard that one of the kind of driving forces behind behind that was when toby Hooper made tcm1 he made it as kind of tongue-in-cheek and to have some kind of comedic parts to it like he thought that some of the family scenes with the whole family sitting around the dinner table and stuff were supposed to be kind of like the audience was to laugh at that but people saw it and were so horrified that he was like well like why doesn't anybody get my humor so he made the second one super over-the-top humor to like really right. drive home that <laughs> he has like some comedy chops and it definitely is more a comedy than the first one by far um but that's just um it's it's oh it's a weird movie. Yeah. Well, regardless, Nightmare on Elm Street should come back. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be cool to get uh Joe Bob's commentary on TCM one. Yeah. yeah, dude. I, I wanna know it's it's dusk till dawn, so that means it's probably twelve hours this time instead of twenty four hours. I'm curious what else he'll play, if they'll be adding some new stuff or going with movies that are already on shutter, because I think that's what they did 
for the first one. They went with stuff that was already on there for the most part. Right, but and the stuff they added in November is all pretty much no-name stuff. I didn't see anything on there that I really recognized yeah. too much. So That's why we didn't read it. We usually do a monthly update, but there's nothing really worth talking about this month other than that. I mean, there might be some, some good new additions, but I just haven't heard of any of the movies that they added, so yeah. I haven't really had a chance to look through those yet. But, right. um, I mean, possibly some of those will be in the the marathon, but I just I wouldn't know. <laughs> based off the titles basically if they're going to be in it or not yeah so uh we have this new section now where there's just enough horror video game news coming out lately that i thought it'd be cool if we came up with like a little video game section since george and i both play a ton of video games um so we don't know what to call it if you have any suggestions let us know we'll think about it ourselves but uh we're just gonna group this together so the first thing is dark pictures anthology introduces its narrator and they're calling that guy the curator and he's played by pip torrens uh so basically in until dawn which was their first horror adventure game peter stormare was like a psychiatrist and he would he was meta like he would be outside of the story being told and he would kind of like psychoanalyze you as the game went on and i was really hoping they'd bring him back because i just i love peter stormare for this dark pictures anthology thing but this guy in the trailer they introduced him in is pretty cool it feels like the twilight zone it, it would be cool to have Peter Stormer basically be the connecting tissue of all these universes, if they just kind of had him, you know, if they make it like a third game and they have mm-hmm. him be the the outside force again, have him. They're doing like, a bunch of games with this anthology series. This is like a anthology series of games that they're making. Right. So I think that that would have been cool to have him be the connective tissue. Maybe the curator is going to be, you, you know, maybe they wanted to go with someone a bit cheaper than Peter Stormbear, or I don't know what the the issue is, but. It's probably um, like Sony owns everything related to Until Dawn. And right. so I guess that character would be an Until Dawn thing that they would own. So you can't really have them come back and play a different character doing the same thing. Right. I feel like that's what it is. So they're just doing a clean break, you know? Yeah, but I, I don't think the curator looks bad at all from this trailer. No. I think um, it's definitely a cool concept. And um, I'm looking forward to this series. I think it's... Uh, I like those kind of... Uh, Point, not really a point and click, but kind of a point and click decision making uh, horror game. I thought that Until Dawn was fantastic, and I'm excited to see more come out of that studio. Yeah, so next up on the game list, Dusk has a release date. So I've talked about this game on the show before, I think. It's basically like a Quake style first person shooter with dated graphics on purpose, but. Uh, it's made by one guy in the town of near the town of Centralia, Pennsylvania, which is of course the inspiration for Silent Hill. It's the town that's constantly on fire, and he went and he collected ambient noise from there. It's a really cool throwback shooter. Uh, they released the first episode, which was basically a full game uh, over a year ago, and then they released the second episode, which added Dusk World, which is their multiplayer. But it's finally coming out of early access um, in December. So that's cool. I just thought people want to know. I really like that game. I beat the first episode. Uh, I haven't gotten around to playing this at all yet, um, but I I just watched the little bit of the like gameplay footage from it, and I mean it looks fun. It looks like a cool kind of throwback shooter, like you were saying, definitely in the vein of kind of Quake Three or anything like that. And I I feel like people who were grew up on that kind of stuff would probably be super into this. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's worth paying attention to, and it's going to end up on Switch where I will definitely buy it because I got a code for the first episode to review it, and that unlocks the rest of the game, so I feel like I'll just buy it on Switch 
because that's like I haven't bought it yet, you know? Right. Um, it's, well it looks like it'll be a good Switch game. Version. I think that'll be out with everything, I would assume. So keep an eye on that. Next up on here, just this is just a quick update for you guys, or just a, hey, what's up? Castlevania Lords of Shadow, Lords of Shadow 2, and the HD version of the 3DS Lords of Shadow 2 which is terrible. They're all uh, backwards compatible on Xbox One. I actually really like the first Lords of Shadow. I heard the second one is just terrible, like awful. But if you have, if you own the first one digitally on Xbox, I think it's worth giving a look at. Or if you don't own it, I'm sure it's cheap. So you can play that through backwards compatibility now. And you can play Symphony of the Night. They released that randomly on Xbox 360 Did they really? a while ago. Yeah, you can play the 360 version of Symphony of the Night on Xbox One, huh. which is awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then the last thing to talk about here. So it's been about six years since we got Diablo 3. And I'm sure everyone's heard about this. But at BlizzCon over the weekend, Blizzard got up on stage and announced a new Diablo game called Diablo Immortal. And it heavily backfired on them due mostly to the fact that it's a free-to-play mobile game. Uh, And to be fair, fans were kind of like shitty to them, like stood up and asked if it was a joke, but I feel like they announced this in possibly the worst way imaginable. It's being made with NetEase, who's a Chinese game developer, and there's another game they make, which is called like God's Immortal or something, or God, it's, it has some weird name that doesn't translate right, and it, this looks like a cut and paste clone of that, with the same UI, very similar graphics, uh, exact same control scheme, and uh, it sparked some weird conversation that was pretty dumb, I think, but also, uh, Blizzard's really taken a lot of heat for this, and people were really expecting them to announce Diablo 4, because it's like, your hardcore fans are at BlizzCon, and you're announcing a new Diablo game, and it's a mobile game that's just, like, not gonna work, <laughs> no matter what. I think the problem is, like, even at, um, Bethesda's event at E3, they released that Elder Scrolls Legends or whatever, the phone game that looks terrible. Yeah. Um, but they also said that Elder Scrolls 6 is in production. They said that, yes, it is a real thing. Yes, we're making it. And they gave, like, a teaser, super, super yeah. teaser that was just basically a picture of wherever the area that they're going to have Elder Scrolls 6 in. Right, they're doing Elder Scrolls Blades and that. And then at Microsoft's thing, they announced the Funko Pop Gears game Gears of War t- uh, Tactics, which is like Halo Wars, but Gears. And then they announced Gears of War 5 with gameplay. Right. And so allegedly, I- Blizzard was going to announce Diablo 4, but they took it out of the thing at the last second. Like, it was going to be just like that, where Immortal got announced, then right after they closed on Diablo 4. But for some reason, they just decided not to at the last second. <laughs> See, I think that is the issue. Basically, that they say... You know, you have all these hardcore Blizzard fans that pay an exorbitant fee. I think it's like at least 60 or $70 to go to this event. And, you know, people yeah. fly in from all over the country to be there and stuff. So it's not like a free thing that all these people come to. Like, it's people it's are expensive. paying to be here. Yeah. And then you bring all these people together. Diablo, which we haven't heard a lot of news about. And it's a very kind of uh, cool series that a lot of people love. And you bring all these people together. Then you just say, yep, we're making... A like poorly skinned phone game, bye. And it's like, well, I think you can't, you God. can't have one and then not also say that you're working on something bigger, some full fledged project that all these hardcore fans are gonna want to experience. I agree. It's 
it just was a a big mistake to announce that at BlizzCon. A, to announce, and then B, to announce it uh, for mobile before announcing a Diablo 4. And the developer, when people stood up, they were like, people booed them. And they were like, what, no one has a phone? And it's like, no, everyone has a smartphone. People just don't like playing games on it because publishers have ruined and destroyed the mobile game market like sorry yeah there are good games on mobile there's no denying that like george and i we both played hundreds of good games on mobile but also the vast majority the overwhelming majority are both shovelware and deceptively monetized pieces of shit like they're just every game that comes out is a a freemium game where you can play it for like three hours enjoy it and then it's like well you hit a wall and you have to start and paying they start for asking it. for money and they right. never give you the option to just pay 30 bucks on up front and unlock everything which i think would solve a lot of problems but they make so much more money off microtransactions and another problem here is that people bitch and moan constantly about this stuff and then they pony up money for the microtransactions so if you don't want this game to do well and you don't want it to be blizzard's main focus going forward which i don't think it ever was but still don't spend money on it like, don't give them your money on their shitty mobile game. But people are gonna, you know? Like, they're gonna bitch and moan about it. <laughs> and people gonna are gonna it. try it out. People are gonna see what it's like. And people are yeah. gonna throw some money in it. I don't think it's gonna be a critical success. I don't think a lot of people are even gonna play it. But I think people are probably gonna try it out and see what it's like. And, and really... even pe- people who aren't super into the whole Diablo idea, it's probably gonna be pushed on the App Store as this immersive RPG, action RPG experience that people are gonna check out because... You know, the App Store or whatever is going to push it because Blizzard's a huge company and they have a bunch of successful games on there. Yeah. Um, the Activision side of Activision Blizzard is, like, finally reeling its head. Where yeah, got <laughs> yeah, for Call sure. of Duty and Battle.net and Destiny 2, which I think are good things, but, you know, I feel like that was the wall cracking. You know, like, Blizzard's been able to work autonomously from Activision for a while, and I feel like once Hearthstone came out and started doing as well as it did on mobile, that kind of put them on the hook to put other franchises on mobile you know yeah and i think the issue is that they don't typically crank out sequels to their big flagship games very often i think usually it's you know at least five or so years between release um of either big expansions or sequels or you know full-fledged sequels anything like that so you know it's it's definitely a game developer that takes a lot of time between their games and that's not really the business model that activision follows typically yeah um i'm not excited for it i don't really it's just stupid it's a big mistake to announce that and then to like yeah the fans were dicks but they were also pretty fucking shitty up there being like what does no one have phones it's like (laughs) yeah yeah everyone's got a phone dude it's 2018 but no one wants to play your ass game on it sorry like it's just it's it's stupid it's just it was a dumb thing to announce they should have never announced it at blizzcon once they took out diablo 4 they should have taken out diablo immortal and they should have just dumped it on the app store whenever it was ready because they probably would have made the same amount of money on it you know they honestly should have just set it as a footnote on the end of whatever their last thing they were talking about was you know so if they were talking about hearthstone and talking about how their there's expansion coming out or whatever then just say and also we have diablo immortal and it's on the app store today go play it whatever right and I don't when Bethesda is figuring shit out before you like fucking Bethesda is like yeah, yeah we don't know what's going on like <laughs> our building might be on fire but we're gonna put out a fallout game <laughs> it's like they can figure that stuff out there's no excuse for you not to be able to like that was just them getting cocky and sitting on their pedigree which right. they should have never done but 
we gotta we gotta you know take a break here come back and talk about suspiria we've been going for a while guys we're back from our quick break and this week george has finally gotten to see suspiria which is kind of a monumental task because (laughs) i was able and lucky enough to see it at an early screening almost a month ago at this point but it released in new york and la and limited screenings last uh week october 26th and then it expanded wider to 250 theaters and george lives in michigan detroit is growing it's getting back up there but you know a lot of these movies don't exactly make it out to michigan so george was able to finally get to see suspiria and i purposely so sometimes when i see a movie before george i ask him how much i can spoil but this one i just purposely didn't spoil anything because i knew i knew he was gonna love it and george did you love it Yes, I loved it. I think this might be my favorite movie I've seen this year so far. Oh yeah, so you liked it. Way, you liked it more than me. Uh, I, I will say that I really liked it. But you loved it, so I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about it. But for those of you who don't know, this is kind of more of a modern reimagining of the original Suspiria from director and writer Luca Guadagnino. Uh, and it stars Dakota Johnson, who plays Susie Bannon. She comes to the Marcos School from her Amish upbringing to dance in uh, Berlin, Germany, in post-World War II Berlin, and the wall is still up, and it turns out it's run by a bunch of witches, and things get crazy from there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So... I just want to I just want to say my good thing first. The thing that I really like about this is it takes Dario Argento's movie which kind of it has a story but you have to dig for it and this one really does have a plot that's coherent enough to where you can follow it. I really liked. And the other thing I really need to give it props for is the fact that it's broken up into six defined acts that tell you exactly what's going to happen in each act before it happens. So they give you these uh these checkpoints in the movie to where you can catch your breath know what you're getting into next and get your bearings on the story because it's a very long movie. So those are two things I really liked about it. Yeah, it definitely is a, a really long movie. I, it's clocked at over two hours. Is it almost, is it two and a half hours? About? I think it's two and a half hours, yeah. maybe even two forty. It's pretty long. Yeah, it's definitely a, a long, long movie for sure. Um, but yeah, like you said, I, I like the structure of it. I think splitting up into acts is beneficial because like you said, with the title cards of the acts, it kind of, gives you something to think about as you're watching it and kind of put the pieces together as you go through the story. I I do think it's not a very straightforward movie. I think there are still some things you have to dig for and think about. It's not all presented to you in your face. You understand it all immediately. You yeah, do totally. have to think about it, for sure. And I, I appreciate that. I think that's cool that you, as the viewer, watch it and put the pieces together and kind of think about it as you go. And I think that is kind of a testament to it being, like you said, it is a reimagining of the original Suspiria, which I think is still a masterpiece. It's still one of the visually most appealing horror movies of all time, most appealing movies ever made, probably. But this one takes those bones and fills them in with a deeper story, um, a little bit more lore. It's got deeper characters. It doesn't have quite the same amount of kind of nightmarish scenes that are in the original 
but I think it tells the plot better through restraint in a way. Yeah, it comes up with its own scenes. I also really liked that instead of trying to copy the color palette of the original, I know I might have said on the show and in videos before that I I would like this new movie to have the same kind of color tone, but after seeing what they went with where they picked their own palette of like, you know, uh, Thanksgiving colors, like skin tone, brown, gray, orange, yellow, stuff like that. I think that works for it. And then on top of that, they took, uh, they matched the score to that color palette by having Tom York to it. But also, the only reason I think that was a good choice was because they could have never matched the color of the original Suspiria because at the time when we watched it, I didn't know, but that was the last movie shot and colored in Technicolor. So those aren't like necessarily real colors. They're like super over exaggerated, or yeah. the way the camera catches them is kind of. Unnatural in a way, and that adds so I, I to think the... it was respectful what they did. I think it was really respectful and cool. Well, the thing is, I, I don't think there's any way to match that kind of style. I think yeah. Argento is a one of a kind director, and I don't think you're ever going to be able to make something in that same vein, that exact same way that the original was made. So I think this is the smartest way you could ever make a remake of this kind of movie, where it has a plot that's kind of not entirely fleshed out. But it has a good setting, and it's got good bones, and it's, you know, people like it, and it has cool aspects to it. So you take all those pieces, and then you kind of rebuild your own story around it, and retell it in your own way, reimagine yeah. it. And I right. think in that way, it exceeds any expectation, because it retells the story of Suspiria better than the original Suspiria in every way It possible. also does some really cool environmental storytelling, like from video games, <laughs> where it's, it's Berlin after like post-world war ii but we didn't live in that time but it really gets you into the tone and the feel of that setting and time period by having these like radio broadcasts and tv broadcasts play throughout the movie to let you know what's going on in the world outside the school and that in turn offers up an explanation as to how the school could start kidnapping girls and maybe even kill them and be a coven of witches right under berlin's nose you know yeah i I love that really cool i thought that was a really great way to set the scene where you only hear about what's going on through i mean in the beginning there's a little bit more in your face stuff where you see some of the berlin wall riots and you you hear a bomb going off down the street and you that that scene was really cool and the sound the sound of that bomb going off was i remember it a month later yeah i mean it definitely is a does an incredible job of setting the scene of this is a very turbulent time in history and it's you know it's based on something that really happened it's a real time it's not really like a timepiece movie but it is definitely an accurate it's as far as i can tell piece, portrayal yeah. of yeah portrayal of that time in berlin um they do a great job of kind of setting the theme of you know everyone's kind of uneasy and worried and kind of they're too busy worrying about what if they're going to live the next day to worry about if these other people are going missing or what's happening or anything like that Right, and I think uh, for, as far as the dancing goes, a lot of the actors in the movie were actual dancers, but Dakota Johnson, for one, and Mia Koth, for another, aren't professional dancers. But as far as I could tell, in this movie, they were. Like, uh, Dakota Johnson, I, I feel like she gets a lot of shit for being in Fifty Shades of Grey and stuff, but man, she absolutely killed it in this movie. She was a great dancer, like phenomenal. And I, I think I can say that I, I'm not a professional dancer, obviously, but my girlfriend is. She's like a real legit professional dancer. I've seen a ton of her shows, enough to the point where I can pick out a skilled dancer, I think, from 
a mediocre dancer and no one in this movie was mediocre at all i thought that was really cool like they put in some all the actresses put in some work uh for this i think yeah, the dancing set pieces were amazing i thought those were some of the best parts yeah. of the movie because that it and those are the spells which is cool right like, those that, are the, that was the such rituals. a cool way of weaving that into the story of the and movie. it doesn't even tell you it just like happens and then you slowly or you're like oh like that's cool like uh and then that one scene it's in the trailer where the girl is being flung around the glass room and that you see is all some con- of the best body horror i've seen ever in my entire yeah. life i mean it was just awesome I, I think that's the scene where, you know, they said people had to walk out of the theater throwing up or whatever after they saw it. And Definitely. I, 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 it's not that extreme. I don't think anyone's going to puke after seeing <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, I, I we gotta, watched it. We got to put our head headspace into the normie zone. <laughs> I, I mean, I watched it in a theater, you know, with it was more than just me in the theater and no one walked out to go throw up. So I think that like and there's definitely the people behind me did not know what they were getting into when they saw right. Suspiria. And and they didn't get out and throw up. So it, I don't think it's as that crazy of a scene as what people are building up to be. But I do think it is definitely some very disturbing, crazy visuals that look way more real than I would have expected. Yeah, it's really good. But there is one one aspect to it that makes me make it a four star instead of a five star. And that's the fact that they had Tilda Swinton play so many characters. It, that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I love the arc that Dr. Klemperer has. I, I, a lot of people are saying that they don't think that story, that whole side story, should be included in the movie. I disagree. I just think they should have had someone else play that character. Because as good of, an, good of a job as she does wearing those prosthetics and looking like a man, she does not sound like a man. She sounds like a 16-year-old boy in an 85-year-old man's body. And it was just fucking distracting to me. And... I, there, it just felt like trying to bait, pe- bait the Academy into giving her an Oscar for having an incredible range and being best actress, you know? Like, no, Tilda Swinton obviously is a great actress. She did a good job in every part she played. I just didn't really think there's justification for her doing that in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she needed to play multiple parts. I think she would have been fine just being Men in Blanc and doing that role because she is kind of imposing and does a great job in that position. And I don't think she needed to be multiple characters. I agree with that, but I, 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 it is definitely a little distracting. The voice doesn't sound right. They seems like they add some weird modulation to it. That doesn't sound perfect. It doesn't sound great. She sounds like a kid. Like it's, it was just jarring uh, to me. And she plays two characters that are just Tilda Swinton. Like one is Tilda Swinton and one is Tilda Swinton with glasses and a different haircut. (laughs) And they're in the same room. It's just like, that's distracting. And there was one version of her that because she played so many characters, I knew it was her despite it not looking like her. In the last scene, the one that one witch goes up against another witch, I knew it was her. The only one that I knew was the the old man, the doctor. I knew that... That was How Tilda did you Swinton, not see the one with Mano the bowl cut? Was, was Tilda Swinton. I didn't recognize I like, the her. other two as Tilda Swinton until after I saw the movie and looked it up afterwards. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just because like, I I don't know. I my brain is weird. I, I remember people from movies a lot. You know, like I can right. remember faces really well. That's just how my brain works. Maybe that's the <laughs> thing. I don't know. Uh, I just didn't like it. I just thought. I wish they would have committed to making sure every role is played by a female in the movie if they were going to do that. Have her play a male. You know, because there are two males in the movie <laughs> that are just guys. 
But yeah, and they um, <laughs> they have a pretty part, weird weird role in the movie too. People were saying that part was terrifying. It's like <laughs> it's funny. Like it's like that I mean, that's a bit of you were talking about. That's yeah, definitely like, <laughs> the 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 part where you can laugh out loud. It's hilarious. And, kind of <laughs> and it's it's a part. weird scene. I think people who kind of have a more tame. Mm-hmm. sense of humor probably would look but at that and be disturbed there, by that like, yeah but like... but at the same time why would you go see the movie if, if you have that kind uh, of my, uh, my point is if they if they were going to commit to having every character be played by a woman i think the the tilda swint thing would be fine but the fact that they put two men in there i feel like that third male character should have been played by a male if you're going to have males in the movie you should have every male character played by a male if you're not going to have male actors in the movie make every woman play a male you know like it just felt like a weird it felt like oscar bait i think that's why it rubbed me so much the wrong way yeah and and i do i think that that's definitely part of it i don't think they would have done that if it you know they weren't trying to get some kind of recognition from the academy for it and i read interviews and she said she was just doing it because she thought it'd be fun it's like so much thought went into so much of this movie and you're just like, yeah, like I'll throw on the prosthetic because it seems fun. It's like, right. Well, I just what, sit in like, this makeup chair for eight hours and <laughs> look like this old man, which yeah. the like you said, did look great. Like it, she does look like an old man. Yeah. And you know what? You want to talk about like a movie that like paints feminism in a positive, like cool, like cool light, you know, like if I was a teenage girl, I think if I watched this movie, I'd feel like fucking badass after watching it you know like it just is cool as fuck the witches and everything it does yeah, modern witchcraft in an awesome way and there's a lot of you know there's a lot of similarities between the storytelling and kind of you know stories of abuse of power and it's a story about you know people who abuse power and what happens to them and taking mm-hmm. back power from you know being oppressed it's I mean, I don't really want to say it's a Me Too movie, but I think there's a, elements of that in there where people who are down, you know, feel like they have all the power taken away from them can take it back. Yeah, totally. And, and there's elements of that. Like, there's, like you said, some feminist empowerment ideals in there. I think that's important. And I think this movie takes a lot of risks and does a it lot does of It does it really... without just shitting all over guys. It, like, makes a powerful female movie without being like, you're better than men. It's like, you can be strong, too. Right. Like you are equal, you know? Right. And I like and I, that. Yeah, it does it in a very positive light that's, you know, it's beneficial. You don't have to be a woman to relate to it. You can also be yeah. a man. You could be whoever. You can be, you know, just I someone watching the movie. I appreciated that. I, like, I appreciated what it would probably do for, like, if I was a girl, you know, watching that movie. I'd be like, this is sick. And then I was a guy watching it, and I was like, this is sick. This movie's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's just really cool. It doesn't matter which kind of cool way. It's really well made. The editing and the camera work is just top notch. There's... One scene, though, one scene that's kind of gory where a character splits their chest apart that was, like, so clearly CGI in my screening that I was like, yeah, ah, that doesn't God look damn it. great. Because um, it's the only time I noticed it in the whole movie. It's just like, the, the scenes uh, do show a little bit that. at that part. Um, <laughs> but that part is awesome. That, but, that but that scene is that awesome. That is, like, the culmination of the movie and is definitely a crazy payoff and is insane an insane visual um i mean i think this is a movie that you need to see for yourself really to experience it there's there's no way to really talk about it at length without without you understanding the imagery or what's going on in the movie after seeing it because it's so visual and so such a deep intricate story um but overall i i just think that 
it's a movie that definitely takes a lot of risks, is very inventive, is unique, very original, and I think movies that have those features need to really be praised when they come out and nail it all so incredibly well. Yeah, I agree. It's just something you should go see in a theater. Uh, it did better than they thought it would in that first week, so they expanded it to more theaters, and I don't think it did very well still, which was kind of disappointing. I don't but think you know it's going to get a super huge wide release. I think it'll probably stay right. in these kind of niche theaters and then probably... But it's going to uh, end up on Amazon, just yeah. like uh, Manchester by the Sea did, so that's like hope for it. Yeah, and I'm going to watch it the first day it's on Amazon, without any question. <laughs> like I'm going to be watching it immediately as soon as it's uh, available to stream. Yeah, I need to see it again. I kind of want to go see it in theaters because I have the AMC Movie Pass, and I think it'll be in theaters out here for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I want to go see it in theaters again. While it, it was a bit of a trek to go to the one theater in my area that's showing it, um, I'd like to see it in theaters again before I see it um, on the, the small screen, as they say. But um, I don't know. I loved it. I thought it was just a great piece of filmmaking, very well edited, well shot, intricate story, great plot and i just uh i just think that like the whole idea of it setting everything is executed extremely well and it's something that you definitely should go out and see if it's in a theater near you yeah i completely agree i'm glad we finally get to talk about it i was really nervous you weren't going to be able to see it because you were like uh it's only playing 50 minutes away (laughs) was i think it was probably worth making that trip right yeah, um, after seeing it, and this was definitely one of my most hyped movies of the year. I think this and Halloween were my two most hyped for the year that I was really excited to go see. So, it, you know, if it was in a theater that was within a reasonable distance, I didn't want to drive like three hours to go see it or something. But I mean, I mean an hour on my way, yeah, I'll do it. Um, but I'm glad I did go and see it in theaters because it really yeah. is amazing. Cool. Well, go see it for yourself, guys, or just wait till it's on VOD on Amazon Prime. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's Fear Frequency. Probably in the running for our longest episode. After I do all the <laughs> editing, you guys, I guess, will find out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Champagne. Of course, you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Jimmy Champagne. I'm also on Instagram. You can follow the show at Fear Frequency. Uh, definitely join our Discord server again. And remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you haven't. Where can we find you, George? Uh, you can find me on all the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at George Frizzard. Cool. And you can find the show, once again, at uh, fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com. If you want to write in any kind of question or fan letter or anything, we will read them on the show. Cool. All right, dude. You want to bring us home? Yeah. Uh, as always, come back next week for more horror news and reviews, and you never know who might be listening. <laughs> <laughs>